And I think any leader, anybody who's going into business for themselves, you have to make a decision early on. Um, and that decision is what is going to be the filter that you pour everything through? So anytime those a business is going to either be birthed or expand, that is the, the, the moment. That's the crux as to what's my filter going to look like. Welcome to the Next Level Leader Podcast, where I want to help you escape average and lead at the next level. There's more in you, and it's time that you learn to lead at your full potential. So join me on this next level journey as we learn to escape average one day at a time. It's time to grow to the next level. The world is waiting. All right, welcome back to the Next Level Leader Podcast. Uh, we're so glad that you're joining us today. Um, and I'm really excited about the conversation that we get to have today. I get to have uh, one of my friends, but beyond that, one of the better leaders that I know, that I've met, that I've got to work with, uh, to work with as a volunteer. I've got Dagan Green on the show today. Uh, Dagan is the owner and principal broker of the real estate firm in Knoxville, actually expanding uh, further across Tennessee, but he'll tell you more about that. Um, but Dagan is, like I said, one of the best leaders that I know. And we got to have lunch a couple of months ago. And as we were having lunch, I said, Dagan, I wish I had had a microphone for this conversation today to be able to share it with our listeners. And uh, man, I just wanted to invite you on the podcast ever since. So I'm glad we were able to make it work. Dagan, welcome to the podcast. Why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners and let them know a little bit more about you? Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Uh, you know, uh, so I am uh, owner and principal broker of the real estate firm, and we, we pretty much handle all brokerage services uh, here locally in uh, East Tennessee and in Knoxville area specifically, but we kind of span across many, many counties, even closer towards the Nashville area. So uh, we've, we've, uh, we've been really uh, expanding here recently. And, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it was kind of great to be able to sit down and talk with you and see, see and hear from you as to kind of, kind of the perspectives that you have now in, in this, this uh, leadership uh, role. And, and, you know, it was pretty awesome for you to kind of ask questions about what, what our culture looks like. You know, because it is important. It's it's absolutely important, and uh, you know, it was it was just a great a great sit down meeting, and, and I enjoyed it just as much as you did. That's awesome, man. Well, we talked a lot about culture, and we'll probably get into that pretty quickly today. Culture is one of those things that I absolutely love to talk about. But how long have you been doing this? So you've been the owner and principal broker of the real estate firm, but how long have you been doing this? And kind of what does the team that you lead look like? Because it has really grown over the years. And uh, just give our listeners an idea of kind of your day-to-day -day leadership span. Yeah, so uh, the real estate firm uh, kind of was created in 2014. Now, backing up before that, uh, I've been in real estate, kind of many, many facets of real estate. I started by, uh, and still am involved in real estate investing, um, kind of went into the appraisal world for a little while and uh, actually actually got started in uh, real estate sales in the default industry in the REO world, which is the foreclosure market. Uh, and then that kind of opened up an opportunity for us to um, kind of open up more of the traditional side, more of the residential commercial type real estate that we, we handle a lot of today. And so, um, you know, just like anybody, I think when, when you go, uh, you know, through this, this growth mode and, and personal growth mode, you know, you're looking for opportunities to step into. And it was just amazing to see how, you know, how, how God kind of opened doors and, you know, you just have to say, yes, sometimes you may not fully understand it, but you step through it. And 
looking back, you know, it's just amazing to see how it was all, it's all been, you know, beautifully laid out uh, to get to the point where we're at now. But as far as the team goes, uh, so we have roughly around 15 uh, employees uh, now, uh, full-time employees. And then uh, we also have uh, 160-ish plus agents uh, that, uh, that work with us and affiliated with our firm. So uh, we, you know, we have a lot going on and, and a lot of people to take care of. And, and again, it's, uh, you know, there's those daily operational type things that have to be done. But, uh, you know, my job and, and what I would love to do most of all is is kind of kind of from that higher perspective uh what is it we can do to to create value for for our agents uh make us stand out in their mind uh, but also again expand the brand and expand uh you know our real real estate capabilities uh in the east tennessee market yeah well you know when you think about real estate real estate is a pretty high turnover high churn industry because agents move from broker to broker, from place to place. You're really, if you're a real estate agent, you're really in business for yourself in a lot of ways. So you get to choose who you partner with. You get to choose who you're doing business with as much as possible. Yet you have, out of those 160 agents you have relationships with, I know so many of them have stayed with you longer, um, even when other people are offering them maybe even sweeter financial deals because of the way that you treat them. I know your employees rave about you, but a lot of that is because of the culture that you've built. And we had a ton of just different pieces of our conversation at that lunch about culture. And you have went about building this culture the right way. And you said, hey, Jeff, a lot of it may have been by accident. But I only know how to do what I know how to do as a leader. And in 2014, you're starting. I know you felt like you're you were just trying to keep your head above water. So let's go back to those early moments when you say, you know what? I didn't know if this was going to work. This was a massive risk. I wondered every day if I had taken the right risk, if I'd done the right thing, and if I could do this. So starting back in those early days, even with that insecurity going on and raging, what did you do to build the culture that you have today? And what were the intentional steps that you took early? Yeah, so exactly right. You know, I can remember back uh, 2013, 2000, early 2014, um, thinking about that, you know, we, we were mainly at the time, our, our, our real estate uh, had been in the default industry, the foreclosure market, which at that moment, foreclosures were coming back down in volume. So we thought, hey, we really need to be really need to have our, our uh, head in the game here on the traditional side, because typically when the foreclosure market's down, the traditional side's up. So we, we, we wanted that balanced approach in our in our real estate uh, uh, business plan. So um, but there was something inside of me that just really wanted to uh, do this the right way and uh, and really push forward. And I think any leader, anybody who's going into business for themselves uh, you have to make a decision early on. Um, and that decision is well, what is going to be the filter that you pour everything through? So big decisions, little decisions, you know, big decisions being, Hey, this, this is a decision that may change the trajectory of our business, you know, long-term, it may be a, a big financial step, small decisions being, how do I, how do I react, uh, to my employees? How do I, uh, you know, day-to-day -day operational things. And so anytime those, these, a business is going to either be birthed or expand. That is the, the, the moment. That's the crux as to what's my filter going to look like. And for me, I knew, uh, you know, again, I've, I've 
kind of grew up in church and for, and, 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 you know, my, my heart is to, is to be a faith-filled person and, and to follow the Lord and, and what he wants for me. Uh, and this business would not be, you know, any different. So my filter had to be, uh, am I going to always do what's best for the bottom line? Or am I going to, in those moments, am I going to care more about a person or a group of people over the dollars? And so uh, I can remember being extremely stressed and extremely, you know, something just, you know, the financial uh, side of it was, was looming. I had to make a decision. We're going to either do this the right way, and put, put, put your foot forward. And, um, you know, at the moment I was actually studying through the book, a church puts out a devotional and uh, it was called without. And, uh, and the verse there in Hebrews talks about without faith, it's impossible to please God. And, you know, I've read that verse before, but at the moment when I, when I was really studying that, I, I thought, you know what, it, it doesn't say that it's hard to, hard to please God or it's difficult. It says it's impossible. And so for me, that was what I needed to take that step of, of faith and, uh, and just say, we're going we're gonna to do this. And, and like you said, there were so many decisions that needed to be made that, that, you know, things were keeping me up at night. You know, uh, it was, it was um, big decisions, small decisions, family life, you name it, a lot was going on. And uh, I can remember specifically thinking, you know, God, what is it that you want from me? What, what is it really and truly that you want from me day to day? Because if we're going to build this, you know, you don't, you don't build it in a day. It's going to take time. It's going to take years. It's going to take a lot of effort and planning and hopefully God's favor. And that's what you want. And I remember God specifically saying, relax. Uh, I want you to do two things. I really want you to focus on doing two things every single day. And that was number one. I want you to give me all of your burdens. So let me lay out, let me lay everything that's on my mind and my heart onto the Lord's shoulders. He's big enough to handle it. So he already knows what's going on. He just needs me to me to kind of hand that over to him. But what that allowed me to do was then to focus on the second thing he asked, which was now your hands are free. So now you can turn around and pick up someone else's burden. So it was this trans, kind of a transfer of burden approach that, that I think God really gave me early on was, look, you're going to either have to have faith and trust me that I can, I can go out before you and I can handle all these things that you think are problems or think are issues and let him fight those battles. But at the same time, it allows me to have my head up, my eyes open and my hands free to, to maybe look around and pick up someone else's burden that day. And so when you stack enough of those days together, now looking back, I'm thinking, wow, you know, God, you, you, you really helped me understand what it, what it looks like to uh, serve other people, serve employees, serve our agents as best as I can without me being so overwhelmed with the outcomes yeah. of, of everything that's going on in, in our business every single day. Wow, man, that is huge. I remember when you told me that at lunch and, uh, it kind of floored me for a minute because that is not the business strategy you're going to find in most business books. Let's be real. People are Absolutely. not going to, most That's business right. books, most leadership books, they're not even bringing God into the equation. And if they do, it's, hey, you know, let your faith inform what you do. But you actually let your faith not only inform what you do, you let your faith set the tone. And, you know, by saying, I'm going to set my burdens down every day, God, I'm giving these burdens. It didn't mean you didn't worry about the problems. It didn't mean you didn't work on those. That's leadership. You had to. But what it meant was when push came to shove, do I care for someone and add value to them? A client, an employee, an agent, or do I try to solve 
the big business problems that scare me, I'm going to choose to add value to people. I'm always going to choose to take care of people and trust that if I do that, God will take care of the rest. And that means I, I know, Dagan, that on the way, that meant that you had to take care of an agent and that meant that you lost money. I know that it meant you had to take care of a client and you lost money when you were going, I don't know how we're going to actually pay all the bills this month because starting a business is hard and expensive. And there's a lot of risk in that, especially in what you do is you're, you know, at times acquiring properties and different things like that. Yet the more you've taken care of people, the more you've seen it come through time and time and time again. So let's talk about another piece of your culture, because I love that. And still to this day, when we sit down in almost every conversation, I think this has come up in probably the last two or three conversations we've had over the years, where we start talking about business, you start talking about that idea of burden. Hey, every day, I lay my burdens down and say, God, you take care of the stuff that I can't control. And I will take care of people, the people that you put in my path. But beyond that, you have built a culture of uh, something that a buzzword that a lot of people are talking about is psychological safety in the workplace. People don't won't do great work for your company if they don't feel safe to do great work for your company. They're not going to take risks. They're not going to try things. They're going to be out for them. And as you started this business saying, I'm going to be for other people, you had to build that into your culture and really bake that into your culture that the people we hire will in turn do the same thing. They'll be for our client first. They'll be for each other first. That requires a ton of psychological safety. So how did you move that that piece of your culture of we take care of people first and let God take care of the uncontrollables? How did you move that just from you as the owner and principal broker down to the agents and the employees, no matter what they do for you? How did you push that down the organization? You know, I think that, uh, you know, looking back in the early days, you know, being intentional about, you know, my, both my interactions and my actions, uh, interactions with people, but then my actions as, as a a business owner and a leader, you know, in decision-making. So how, how I wanted people to see me, number one, uh, being all in, in other words, you know, there was nothing that I wasn't willing to do. To, to help our company uh, succeed. And so number one, they're gonna see that. And then number two, they're also gonna hear that in our interactions. In other words, if, if, I, if I'm speaking to my employees or speaking to the agents, you know, I wanna know about what's going on with them personally. You know, business is great because the reality of what we say here around, around, around the real estate firm is you know, money's great, everybody needs that, but, but it is not the end all be all. And so if it's not the end all be all, and most people would admit that even, even people, again, if you're not a believer, that's fine. If you're, if you're not a Christian or Christ follower, that's fine. But most people would say at the end of the day, money is not the most important thing. So let's work backwards. Then let's work backwards from that statement. If most people would agree with that money's helpful, money gives us opportunities and things like that. However, how I treat people, uh, how I care for people, in the low times, you know, a lot of a lot of places are really big on celebrating uh, people in the big moments and the and congratulations, and that's a great thing. But loyalty is built, and that psychological safety is built is is built in the area of how do you handle things when they're in the low areas, when people are struggling, when people are hurting. Uh, you know, in the real estate industry, you know, I, I look back at it, and, and I guess I didn't think about it. You know too deeply, but, you know, this is a pretty crowded industry. Brokerage, you know, again, real, Knoxville needed another real estate brokerage like we need a construction project, you know. It's, it's, it's just, they're everywhere. 
But I didn't think about that when we started. You know, I was kind of focused on what we can do and what maybe God's called me to do and not not have the perspective as I need to look at everything else that everyone's doing. I just needed to handle the business in front of me, the person that's in front of me with the utmost respect. You know, again, trusting God that he's going to do the rest, but be willing to in the moments that I needed to be there for the agents, that I need to be there for my employees. You know, that's what means the most to me is it's those it's doing the right things, reacting the right way in the low moments. And, you know, we have a, uh, you know, a pretty, I would say it's a pretty uh, small target when we look for agents for us to come come on with us and employees. And that uh, we've kind of built around the, the, the acronym AIM, which is AIM. You know, uh, we look for people that are authentic. In other words, in the sales world, please be authentic. You know, don't, no one likes to do business with people that, you know, put on a good show, whether it be power suit, power ties. For us, it's authenticity speaks volumes. Number And the number two is integrity. And that just literally means doing the right thing when no one's looking, including leaving money on the table if you have to. God, again, there's, there's a faith component to that. Either, either I need every single cent because it's there, or I can believe that God's going to provide for me no matter what. And, you know, we try to press that into our agents. Look, if there's something that's going on in a transaction, if there's someone asking you to do something, let it go. Let, let, let God fight that battle. And then the last thing is mastery. And that's just having a very teachable spirit. If we want to master our craft as real estate professionals, we have to be teachable. That's me, myself included. You know, we've got to be willing to ask questions. If, you know, and there are wonderful people who are around me in this building today who have been in this industry and, and all kinds of facets in the real estate industry that pour into me and help me learn more. So, you know, you put those together, those, those are the kind of people that we try to identify that we think is a great fit for, for us. Um, and again, we, we have to say no to sometimes because of, you know, because of issues, but for the most part, we're looking for authenticity, integrity, and then mastery, you know, someone who's teachable. Man, I love that. There, there's a lot of listeners who are going to take that acronym and I'm telling you, man, they're going to be saying, how can I use that? How can I use that tomorrow? That's a good one. Uh, and I'll tell you what, David, man, that, that may be a book one day, man. That is, uh, that, hey, that is, that is you know, solid. Uh, you know, it, it's something that, you know, it, it, it started out, uh, it just really started out in conversations with agents early on. Cause I could hear, I could hear people mm-hmm. when they were making moves from other places and, and for the, the reasoning behind it always seemed like it had to do with, I just feel like there's, there's, I'm, I'm being pressed down. I'm into a mold and I, and I yeah. just can't be my authentic self, you know? And, uh, and when people have that freedom to say, you know what, I can, I can be authentic. I can be the best mm-hmm. version of myself. And again, yeah. having, having the, you know, the EQ to be able to be in a certain situation to know how to handle situations, but do it authentically not to where, sure. you know, you're feeling it's a salesman or it's, you know, again, you're caring more about the money than the person. Having that high level of EQ is important, but you can do it authentically. And, and that's important. And people, and people look for that. And I think that was something that drew people here and continues to do, continues to draw people. Well, man, there's so many layers to what you shared there. You know, I said, hey, how did you provide a psychological safety? And we moved pretty quickly to the acronym because you said the first way that, and really this is just kind of what I heard. It's a layer that I think a lot of people would miss, which is in order to provide psychological safety, I have to know who I'm looking for and I have to hire and onboard in such a way that the right people are on the bus because the wrong people 
are not going to feel safe here. The, the person who is the great salesman, agent who's that great salesman who's aggressive, but they can't unlearn the way they've done those things. They're not going to take care of people. They're not willing to be vulnerable and authentic. They're not going to feel safe here, right? But that's if we right. know who we're looking for, and I think that's a piece that people miss is from the beginning, by narrowing the target, you actually expanded your influence and you expanded your ability to produce. Most of us think if we narrow the target of especially young business owners, people who are brand new into kind of this entrepreneurial realm, you're starting something fresh. If I narrow my focus of customers, I'm hurting myself. That I don't have enough people to sell to. I won't survive when the reality is the more you narrow your focus of customers, actually the less you have to sell to survive right? That's the same right. thing with employees. If I narrow too far, I won't find anybody. Whereas you would say, no, if you narrow farther, and I would tell clients this all the time, when you narrow far enough, it's easy to find the right employees because you stand out like a needle in a haystack. Mm -hmm. And so do they, right? It's like, you're not, not trying to find a needle in a haystack anymore, but it's like a beacon that's pulling them to you and you to them. And that works even in this climate where people are talking about, um, you have the great resignation and people just can't keep employees. And, and a couple of things I run into all the time that you kind of talked about was, you know, you, you said, hey, we got to celebrate people in the low times, not just the high times. When they make a mistake and instead of making them eat it, we come alongside of them and we celebrate, you know what, they made a mistake, but they made a mistake trying to do what was in the best interest of people. They've learned from it and let's celebrate because they're learning. Well, now in that culture, people aren't scared to make a mistake. They're actually scared not to learn. That's what you want. They say, okay, learning is prized here. Um, we rarely celebrate when people are in their low points to say, you know what? Maybe their numbers aren't where they want it to be. Maybe things aren't where they want them to be. Maybe they made a mistake, but you know what? They're exactly the kind of person we want here. So let's celebrate that person, right? But I'm in a lot, I'm in a lot of rooms with business owners, business leaders, and you're going to see more of that power, sales, I've always got to be aggressive. I've always got to be on. You're going to feel that manipulation from a lot of people. And I find myself drawn to those who um, are authentic. It takes a while to know if people are integrous, if you're not in the interview process and things like that. It takes a while to kind of know those things. But I'm drawn to people who are, two of the things you talked about, who are authentic and who want to learn. Um, because a leader who doesn't want to learn, especially in my, my line of work, it, it's not very helpful because they're going to look at a consultant like, that's a, that's a, you know, mark of weakness if I bring in a consultant, right. but I love sitting down with business owners and telling them, I'm going to help you, but I'm going to learn from you every step of the way. We're going to get better together. That's the kind of the process, but um, it, it, it's just not normal to find people who do what you do, who lead the way that you lead. So it's going to stick out like a sore thumb when they do. Right. Um, so yeah. you're building this culture. You've got people who are working for you now who were hyper successful. As a firm, you're hyper successful. People are staying with you because they feel safe. They're celebrated. They're the right kind of people. If you had it to do all over again, though, I know you would say, Jeff, I, I made some mistakes. It's part of that authenticity. It's part of the vulnerability that I love of makes you the leader that you are. If you could look back at those first few years and say, if I could do it over, um, man, I would do this differently. I would change this. These were some mistakes that I made. Could you share that with our listeners, especially with some of the leaders who are brand new to leader positions, some of the new entrepreneurs who are just getting started to let them know, one, it's okay to make mistakes and they're going to be okay. But two, let's let them learn from your mistakes because I think we learn more from our mistakes than from the things that we actually did really well. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I, I would say for, for me, 
um, one of the big things I would, I would do differently was I would have recognized my strengths and my, my personal strengths and my weaknesses earlier on. And, uh, you know, I, I now now I'm one of these guys that I believe working on work on your strengths, not your weaknesses. You know, hire, hire out your weaknesses, bring in great people who are strong in those areas to complement you. And so, for me, you know, we talk about celebrating, right? So I personally am not the best at celebrating people. You know, I my, my personal uh, just who I am. I don't care if it's birthdays, if it's you know, it could it could be anniversary, it could be anything. You know, I'm that guy who you know. I, I, a little is a lot to me. So, you know, I just a little celebration. Great. That's awesome. Move on. So I know I'm not the greatest celebrator, but what I am, I feel like my strength really is, is I, I look for the people who are kind of in the low moments. Right. And I want to come alongside them. And I don't know, I don't know if that's just, again, just something that the Lord's given me to kind of look for and find and, and try to try to help develop. But what happens is I can get blindsided to the celebration component of the wins and so uh, one thing I would have done earlier was have brought people alongside of me who could have, number one, kept up with all of those things and celebrated those moments more for the people that were, were having big wins earlier on. I think that would have helped uh, us to, to, to develop more of a balanced approach to, again, celebrating is great in both, in both areas, low and high, but, uh, but I kind of missed the mark there uh, early on on those highs. And so... Uh, that's that's one thing. The other thing would be, um, you know, I uh, you know I've, I've hired a couple of people along the way that, looking back, I wish I had kind of had a little more, you know, perhaps a little bit a little bit better uh, read on on them. And and again, anytime you bring someone who, who's not a great fit for your culture or a great fit for your company, uh, it does take time and energy. But but I do say this: I don't care if it's a bad hire. I don't care if it's uh, someone who who may not be, you know, hey, maybe they come in and talk to us about being a part of who we are and what we're doing here, and they decide not to. Well, there's another decision you have to make. And do I do I show grace and do I care more about them as a person? Say, so, hey, you know what? The last thing I want is someone to come here and be here because I'm pulling them across the table, telling them this is the place they need to be. Yeah. You know, for me, it's the best thing is to say, look, you need to hopefully go home and pray about it. You know, talk to your spouse about it, uh, and then be here because you want to be here. Be here because you see the value in being here. And when you're here, let's just go all in, you know, let's be, let's do this together. And, but regardless of what happens, good or bad, we're still going to be friends. We're still going to do deals together. We're still, you know, again, the personal, the personal approach is, is always trumps the money. You know, it always trumps the, you know, I, I've, you know, in this business, you know, you get a lot of, you know, I have a higher production. I have all this kind of, you know, lay that aside. Nobody cares about that. At the end of the day, nobody, you know, it's, it's, it's when you're in it, you, you know, you want to do well, you want to succeed, but how am I treating people? And so for me, you know, I brought a couple of people on early, early in our, in our, our start that didn't see that value. And so, uh, you know, we had to make a transition and move and, and, and that was, that was part of growth, you know, it's, um, I think anything, starting a business is difficult. Scaling a business is even harder. You know, and that's what we learned, you know, because it is an art and a science as to do I spend money now to make money later or do I have enough money to spend and now I have to hold back a little bit. So scaling is scaling is always uh, tricky. And uh, I think I think had I brought some other people in who kind of would have helped me in that, uh, you know, there'd been there'd been a little bit smoother track. But I, I you know, 
again, I don't ever believe that anything is wasted, good or bad, failure, success, nothing is wasted because you learn from it. And there was a reason, you know, I can even look back and think about, I have seen, I've had interactions with people who, again, it was not the most pleasant experience, but from that and from how our interaction went later on down the line, they would either, they would still speak about the experience they had with, with our people or with me or whatever it was in a positive light. So even a negative could be positive and God, and I think God honors that, you know, cause you do, you're, you're putting people above, above uh, all the rest. Yeah, man, that is, that is huge. And so well said, actually, uh, I should probably clip a little piece of that and just use that as, as an ad for what I do, you know, cause you said, Hey, starting a business is hard. Scaling is harder. I wish I'd brought someone kind of along that could help with that, but you're making these decisions of do, do I pay for someone to, to help with that? You know, right. it's always, do I pay money now? Where do I put it? And, um, you don't have to hire an employee full time with all the benefits to do these things for you. That's what a good consultant is going to come in and do. They're going to do it in a lot less hours to help you. Man, what I do, I want to see taken so desperately for Christian business leaders to begin to see their business as their ministry and impact the world. So if you're running into some of those early mistakes where Dagan said, I wasn't, I wasn't leading by my strengths, right? There were some things that we were missing because I wasn't good at them. Um, And you just need to know what your strengths are or how you can bring people on, even if it's not full-time, how you can bring in other people and services to help with that, reach out to someone, whether it's me, whether it's someone else, you can always go to jeffcochran.online. We'll do a free discovery call. And I promise you, if I'm not the person to help you, I'll find someone who can, okay? Mm-hmm. Zero charge, we're gonna connect with you, but don't feel like you have to do it alone. And the day again, I loved you talking about that mistake of, hey, we hired some of the wrong people. And as I think about it from a system standpoint, I think the hiring process wasn't there yet. The hiring process, the onboarding process, all those things that help people know, help you to see if you made a mistake, them to see if you made a mistake. It wasn't there yet, but part of it was it actually took going through hiring some wrong people before you knew exactly how to identify the right people. So those mistakes weren't wasted. They were things that actually helped you to be even better. But the good news is for those that are listening, you can learn from Dagan's mistakes. You can learn from my mistakes and and we can you can get better faster than we ever did. Um, but I love what you said as well, man. We, we live in a world right now where I, I'm having way too many conversations about non-disclosure agreements and uh, severance packages and severance agreements and stuff like that. That's going to cost you a lot of money. It's going to cost you a lot of people, a lot of fans, even if they can't talk. You know, we, We're so worried about people talking bad about our organization when they leave, when a transition has to happen, um, that we actually make it worse with all of the, you know, for, for lack of a better term, I call it hush money. I just think it's dirty money, right? You're not in the business for the most part of severance packages and non-disclosure agreements because you want to end as well as you started, which means if a person's not working out, whether they decided to leave or you said, hey, this is not going to work, you focus as much on them getting a good ending that they love and that they're proud of and that they'll talk about as you do a good start. And that means that actually some of the people who no longer work with you, who you've even let go, are actually ambassadors for your brand and your business because of the way that you treated them, right? The same thing with clients where you said, hey, I'm probably not the best. We're probably not the best firm for you. Let me connect you with someone else based on your specific need. How could business leaders make a change in today's climate 
to do that, where they actually turn the people who leave their organization into raving fans? How can they turn the people who leave their organization into actually reference calls? Because I don't know if you know this, if you're leading a business, though, the people who are coming to work for you, if they're smart, they're actually calling people who no longer work for you. Okay. Sure. Um, I've got a network of people who have worked in areas that I've worked that are constantly getting calls. I'm constantly getting calls about places I've worked saying, tell me what the real culture is in these places. It's happened almost every place that, that every organization I've worked in the last 15 years, right? So what would you tell a leader, business leader, entrepreneur about making those endings work? those transitional endings, those negative endings work in a way um, where it turns even people who weren't a part of your family anymore into ambassadors for who you are. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go back to, uh, to answer that question. I would go back to the decision-making that has to happen in a leader's mind every single day. And again, it's that filter of, am I going to put a person above money and above potentially the reputation of or the perception of my business my personal business in other words there's a there's a a factor that goes into every decision where i'm going to have to either i'm going to humble myself and when i what i mean by that is i want to i want to care for that person in such an authentic way so even in a hard conversation even in a, in a very crucial conversation maybe it's me having to speak to someone about you know about perhaps it's time I've let them go or it wasn't a good fit uh, for an agent, whatever that looks like, right? How I handle that moment, how I react in that moment will set the tone for, are they going to have a negative thought or a positive thought, regardless how this goes? And again, I can't control how they process all the information, but what I can control is how I deliver the information. And that would be through, hopefully through true concern, true care, loving them the best that I can. And like you said earlier, if someone's calling you and, you, and you're not the right fit, you sincerely mean, let me, get to you, let me get you to someone who would be the right fit. And that's the same thing for me. You know, I want, if I truly want the best for someone else, it's going to shine and show in how I react and how our, how our discussion goes in those moments, in those crucial moments. So your heart kind of, I think what happens is your, as a leader, your heart kind of gets on display uh, in those moments and in those conversations. And when that happens, um, my hope is that they see that I'm more for them. You know, that even if it's not here, I'm for them. And it's hard to push that away. You know, I think, uh, I think of, you know, our recruiting as, as a real estate company, you know, real estate companies always have to recruit agents simply because of attrition, you know, people are getting out of the business, in the business. But our strategy of recruiting has kind of always been the same thing. I, we do it best when our agents do it for us. In other words, they, our agents have such a great experience. I hope they do. I pray they do every day uh, with the support and all these things that, that, that mean so much to them daily that when they're across the closing table from someone else and they start talking about companies and they start talking about brokerages, that it's easy for them to talk about the good things. And, you know, Hey, they walked alongside of me in this, or they did this. Uh, that's, that's what we actually strive to do every single day is make those moments happen so that our agents become, you know, an organic lead, organic uh, recruiting uh, structure uh, every single day. And so, yeah, I, I think um, any, any leader who is thinking through these things about how I could uh, maybe, maybe handle situations differently so that 
you know, long-term, the long-term look perspective looking back is people have a positive outlook. It has to be a daily decision when you wake up is I, there's a ton of stuff I got to get done today. God, take it, handle it. Now let me go and be freed up to look around at my people, the people I care for, and let me see how I can interact and react with them in a way that's going to be positive. Well, and I've heard it so many times from you today, but in other conversations, Dagan, and I think it's one of the greatest principles that I have learned and am reminded of from you every single time we're together. If you take care of your people, that's your employees, that's your clients, that's the people in your orbit. If you just take care of your people, they will take care of you and the bottom line will work out because your people are multiplying you in a way that you just couldn't on your own. And, and you're in you're in an industry where already before COVID, before this great resignation happened, you're in an industry that had one of the highest rates of turnover, period. Like you said, sometimes people are just getting in and out of the industry. You know, it seems like I've got a friend who's becoming a realtor or no longer a realtor every other day. And that's no shade to anybody, but it's just it's easy to get in and get out. People do this and in, in transition a lot. Yet, even with that, now we're talking about this great resignation period where so many people are struggling with finding good employees, yet you're doing, you are head and shoulders kind of at the top of your industry and what that looks like. And, and I want our listeners to hear that. They've heard from a couple of different people recently, a couple of different CEOs, presidents, just like you, you know, the owner and principal broker who have said, we're not experiencing that, but let, let us tell you why. There's a better way. And if you're tired of the turnover, you're struggling with the turnover, please reach out. There's a better way. And I hope that you've seen it from a lot of these conversations. So um, one of the things that you said earlier that I wanted to touch on as well, Dagan, was, you know, you were talking about that narrow line for what you do, the narrow line for the employees that you're looking for. And um, I wanted to get your take on this. One of the things I say to, to leaders a lot is I say, hey, as you're establishing your business, you actually don't have any competition if you have narrowed your target customer enough, because even the people in your field, you will champion them because you know who your client is and no one else reaches your client specifically like you do. Um, how have you seen that work in what you all do? And, and do you agree with that concept that you actually don't really have competition if you know who you're going after? And if not, push back. I, I, I want to hear what you think. Yeah, I think you, you know, we established earlier that, you know, kind of what we're looking for in, in let's just say agents mainly uh, that come on with our firm. And so for me, my job has always been the current agents that we have with us. Number one, hopefully they've already, they, they already are those type of, of agents that we want that are here. So how can we take, take them and, and, and coach them and lead them to help identify other agents that fit our culture? Rather than us try to throw this large net over everybody, we certainly do the same thing. We, we have a, 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 a very narrow uh, aim for, for our agent base, uh, but it, it means more, more to me than anything to have our current agents know that and look for that. And when they're dealing in, they're in the middle of transactions and they see some great things happening from, from another agent, um, you know, they're able to reach out and talk to them. So again, like you said, it's about multiplying you know, our, me and, and, and a conversation that I might have with an agent uh, many, many times over uh, just because our agents are bought in and they already identify uh, our, our culture and they're able to explain our culture. So if, you know, for me, it is, I, I agree with that. I think that we narrow, we narrow ourselves down um, and, and even stand out, I would say, because 
we don't do the large recruitment pushes. We don't do a lot of that kind of stuff just simply because we kind of know who we want. And, and we also have the belief that God's going to bring them in the right time, you know, and people will help identify that. And so, again, it's kind of like this, you know, yeah, in the beginning, it's a snowball, you know, it kind of, it kind of grew and grew and grew. But now uh, there's enough agents out there who feel it, who know it, and man, they can talk about it and they can, they can explain it. And people are drawn to that, you know, and so it's, uh, it's been cool to see. But I agree with that. I think you do need to narrow the focus. Uh, and, and again, the, the competition, again, I don't have blinders on, you know, but I really do try to focus on what we do here, not what everyone else is doing. And, and because of that, I think, I think it is maybe, you know, I hear people when they, when they make a move to our direction, you know, it feels like, man, I just feel like I can breathe. I can do things, you know, the way that, again, you, like you said earlier, every, every agent is kind of their own, own business. And so how one does business, you know, what they're focused on, what they primarily care about as far as a client base, what they like to do in the real estate industry, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of little facets may not be the same as someone else. So do I allow them, do we allow them to have that flexibility, flexibility to uh, kind of work where they really shine, show their strength, strengths. You know, one of the things I really like to do as well, I think this is important for any leader is, uh, I really like to give both our employees, mainly our employees, um, true ownership of their area. Uh, for the most part, most people are looking for, they, they want to own what they did, right? Business owners want to own business because it allows them to create, it allows them to you know, manage and to, to do things the way they feel like should be, they should be done. The same can be said of employees, right? They want to, good employees want to, own their area of expertise. They want to own what they're doing. And so if I micromanage them to death, if I have managers that micromanage people to death, uh, that does nothing to promote the growth of that person individually, but also it stifles the ideas that might come out of that, right? We're actually doing dealing with this right now. We have, uh, we have a great opportunity. We've had systems in, places, in place for a long time. And here recently, we've had some, you know, we've had some pretty quick growth. And so we've had to change some things. And what's been awesome to see is the people who champion and own those areas of this process, they have identified areas that we can get so much better at and sharpen us, right? So I want that input. I want them to feel that way, you know? And so for me, it's a, it's a, it, it is an absolute must that we give people the flexibility to, to operate within their area of expertise and shine and really, really uh, have, a, have a say in what happens. Uh, because again, they're the ones who are doing the job. They're the ones who are dealing with, you know, the problems and the issues. And we know we can do this better if we just had this or we did that, you know, that, that scaling process. I love that part of this business is seeing people bring up issues that I would have never known. I would have never seen it because again, that's not my area. That's their area. So giving ownership, People want it, and I think people receive it well, and yeah. they feel like they can grow uh, very quickly in that. And uh, and uh, just it's been something that we've seen uh, massive success from. Yeah, well, hey, you know, I, I say it all the time: you can't expect an employee to treat your business like you do because they don't own it. So if you right. want them to treat it more like you do, you have to give them ownership of it. And uh, man, that is just, uh, it's a great case study and a healthy system of innovation. Um, leaders that scale really well, especially from that bottom, I've got this brand new business, got five or less employees, 
to they're scaling to, you know, that 25, 50 employee mark. The ones that are going to scale well are the ones that can earliest realize I actually get to have less of the best ideas going forward. My job's not to have the best ideas. My job is to be a collector of the best people and the best ideas and letting them move on and then taking and taking the risk and the stuff that they just don't want to deal with, right? Um, we have this idea that as leaders, we have to have all the good ideas. And if we do, it'll keep us from growing. It'll keep us from expanding. Um, and, and I love what you just talked about with um, the, you know, the way that you saw that with competition, because, you know, I, I want to send a ton of business to other consultants. I know that I exist um, to really help best those Christian leaders, those Christian businesses and nonprofits of 250 or less in the East Tennessee corridor. So if that's not you, each time one of those boxes is not ticked, I'm looking for a box that is ticked for someone I know who does a really great job in their area. Because I also know I'm focusing on areas, of, I'm focused on leadership, I'm focusing on culture, and I'm focusing on systems of innovation. So, you know, knowing who that I serve and how I serve them allows me to say, you know, hey, I, I want to actually be the biggest champion of my competitors. And I want to be one of the only competitors that they actually root for and they point other people to because I know what I do so well and I want to know what they do um, because the less it is about competition, the more it is about helping people find the right fit, the more successful you're going to be. So if you've heard nothing else, focus on people over production and the production's actually, it's going to come and it's going to come at a higher rate. So Dagan, I want to give you two quick questions, quick fire on the way out. Uh, the right. first one is this, if you could just tell a brand new business leader, an entrepreneur in their first couple of years, if you could just give them one piece of advice, hey, do this, don't do this. One piece of advice, that's all you could give them. What would be the thing that you tell them? I would tell them to uh, identify, identify their decision filter quickly. Hmm. In other words, just know when the hard decisions come, when the big decisions come, uh, or the daily decisions, know what filter you're going to use. Yeah. Is it going to be people or is it going to be money? Because that's going to determine, I personally believe it's going to determine the rate of your, of your growth. And it's easy to say that in the moment that I'm going to value people, but it's a decision that has to be, be made every single day. So be diligent, be intentional about that, but wake up every day with all the stuff that's on your head and, 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 and you know, on your plate and make that decision that day. How am I going to treat people? How am I going to look around and see people that need help? And what will I do about it today? So it's a daily decision. So I would, I would say that find your filter quickly. That's so good. All right. So let's switch gears, not just from the entrepreneur, but to the leader. And you lead in a lot of other places outside of just your business. Uh, I know you were a volunteer on one of my teams for a long time. One of the better leaders I got to work with. It was a privilege to be able to lead you. But if you're talking to a leader, I ask, I try to finish every conversation on the podcast with this question. You know, I wrote the book, The Next Level Leader. This podcast is all about helping leaders go to the next level. So if you could only give a leader, no matter what they're leading, one piece of advice, if you said, hey, if you could only take one step that will help you grow to the next level, what step would you tell them to take? I would have to say, I would tell another leader, don't control, don't control every circumstance. Be, be willing to, be willing to let, let other people around you shine. Um, as leaders, especially as you begin to grow in your leadership responsibilities, you get, it's easier and easier to start putting a stranglehold on the way things have always been. And this, they're, they're this way because of X, Y, and Z. 
So for a leader to be able to kind of release that over to someone, a team of people um, and help them to grow, it, it just, it's just amazing to see what, number one, what happens to that individual leader who's kind of finally releasing some things. <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're going to benefit from that, but also their leadership and the fact that they're able to uh, release things to other people will be received so well by those people around them. And so I would, I, would, I would give that piece of advice. I would say just because things have grown the way they have and, and maybe you feel like you have been an integral part of that, at some point uh, you're, gonna have to, you're gonna have to multiply yourself if you want things to continue to grow. So be willing to do it, you know, and, and, and you know, it can be scary, I know, but be willing to do it. Yeah, that is huge. So good. Dagan, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. I want you to tell our listeners if they want to get in touch with you, they want to work with you to, to sell a home, to buy a home. Uh, maybe they're an agent that's listening and says, I want to work for a culture like that. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so you could, uh, two ways. You can you could call our office, simply ask, uh, ask for myself or um, you know, just more information. Uh, our folks are trained to, to be able to give you that. But our, our phone number is 865 770 4030. Uh, and then you could also go online, look at our website. Uh, there is a careers tab there. If you're an agent looking to, uh, you know, for more information, check it, check that out. But uh, it's uh, treftn.com. So T R E F T N.com. It's the real estate firm TN.com. Uh, there's plenty of information that you can kind of check us out, uh, hear, hear from some of our agents and, uh, you know, some definitely contact, reach out. There's some forms there that you can do that. And we're happy to happy to help any way we can. Awesome. Well, Dagan, I can't thank you enough for the conversation today. This has been rich and uh, th this has went longer than even I anticipated because every time I started saying, gosh, we should really wind down the conversation. There was another nugget. There was something of gold. So if you're listening, go back, listen to this two or three times if you need to. But Dagan, thank you for spending time with us today. I know that you made us better. And uh, I just want to remind everyone who's listening that the Next Level Leader Podcast, we do all of this because we really do believe we can grow to the next level together one step, one day at a time.